Well, it's uh, finally the end of the IndyCar season, uh, even though it was only, what, five short months, and I think all of 2020 just felt like five long years, uh, but a lot to break down as the season has come to a conclusion here on the Tony D Podcast. Thanks for listening. We're talking all IndyCar on this episode, brought to you, as always, by Flooring is Forever, flooringisforever.com, 317-755-1246. If you're looking for high-quality flooring with a lifetime warranty, then 100% kid-proof, Waterproof and pet-proof Cortec flooring is the way to go. Beautiful options from wood to tile looks. With the built-in cork backing, it creates an extra layer of insulation. Easy to clean and won't stain. Get a hold of Harley today. 317-755-1246. So where do we want to start? Just wrapped up watching the banquet. uh, Recording this on Thursday night. Got the test coming up tomorrow. But wanted to dive into some things before tomorrow's test. That was pushed from today, Thursday, which kind of sucked because I had worked it out in my work schedule to be out there for a couple hours to end the day today. Um, But I I think where I want to start is first and foremost, just thanking everybody for listening throughout the entire IndyCar year. It's been a lot of fun to just kind of dissect and and, and speculate how things uh, may or may not shake down, occur. Obviously, the biggest thing that people wanted to know was when that Indianapolis 500 was going to be. Um, from there, I think we got to take it to the Indie Star article that came out on, was it Tuesday, that had a picture of Scott Dixon and Chip Ganassi holding up the six fingers for Dixon's sixth championship. Congratulations to the Iceman, who continues to get it done. Uh, but the caption read, uh, Team Penske driver Scott Dixon and team owner Roger Penske celebrate their sixth championship following the Firestone Grand Prix race on the streets of St. Petersburg. I'll, I'll just preference this. I'm not a fan of the Indy Star, um, and I'm going to get into that, the reason why, which I think is is important maybe to clear some air as much as I possibly can. Um, one, this is not Nathan Brown's fault. I don't know Nathan Brown. I never met Nathan Brown. This is not his fault. This is not really anybody inside the Star here in Indianapolis's fault. I believe this comes from the editor, which comes through either Louisville or... I think Des Moines, Iowa, maybe. And, and as we know, as IndyCar fans, we sometimes seems like we get put on the back page, whether it's, you know, I, I've said this for so long, SportsCenter only runs something on IndyCar if it's the 500, there's a bad crash, or the pace car wrecks. Or what we saw on Sunday around a few, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if SportsCenter put that on. But it just seems like, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't understand the sport. And I think... Maybe NASCAR in Charlotte. I've never lived there. I don't know. But, you know, IndyCar, this is the only traveling series, the only traveling sport in the country that its core fan base is here in one town. So that's why we take pride with it. You know, obviously with the with the race, it's, it's, it's really putting Indianapolis on the map. And we take pride in it. So that was a mess up. I tweeted out the picture. Then Chip Ganassi saw it, got a hold of it. Um, tweeted, like, what the heck, Indy Star, thanks, Tony D. I know Robin Miller posted a picture of it on Facebook and then ripped the star um, on Monday on JMV show. So I, I understand it's not the people inside of the star's problem. or I, I mean, it is their problem, but it's not their fault. But I will say this, um, and it's funny because I, I appreciate everybody who sent me the, the fan engagement position open at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which I have applied for. And I was very open and honest with my resume, and, and they asked, have you ever been, I don't remember the exact question, but accused of 
any kind of harassment. And it was either accused, I don't think they can ask you accused, so maybe that wasn't it. But, and I, I said yes, and it's something that I would love to discuss in person um, with the people hiring. And, and here's what happened. You may have seen this, you may not. That happened in my radio career at 1070, the fan. Um, I've tackled it. I, 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 I know I kind of put it to bed one day on the ride with JMV, but what happened was is there was an employee at Emmis who accused myself, another producer, um, some things that weren't true, some things that, that were true, um, you know, and it was a very long story that included some uh, inappropriate relationships, not of my doing, um, inappropriate relationships between higher-ups, let's say, and the people and in, in, in the, in the women that worked for them. She was let go because of her job performance, which um, directly affected 1070 fans. She was our social media coordinator and I you know I got very frustrated I tried to help her multiple times and she didn't want the help and you can't help somebody who won't help themselves and it really escalated and I got very upset because at the end of the day um, she was kind of messing with my baby she was you know because she didn't have to face the music and it was people coming up to me all the other producers of the station saying what's up with your twitter feed your social media it's not very good and it's just it's frustrating because it's something that I thought I could do a lot better effort of. But um, so very, very, very tough. The reason why I kind of have a thing against any star at that is because there was the first thing you Google when you the first thing you see when you Google my name is this article um, that states her accusing us. And then um, you have to scroll down a page or two and it shows where she lost the lawsuit. It. Emmis fought in court, Emmis backed myself and uh, another producer, and everything was, was put to bed, and we were our names were cleared, and I've asked the Indy Star multiple times if they could take that article down, because look, it doesn't look good, I, I understand that, I've owned it, this was eight, nine years ago, you know, I'm 32 years old now, and it, it just kind of sucks, so um, it is what it is, but I, I wish that article could be taken down. Uh, but yeah, the Indy Star just not kind of where it was uh, that I remember it growing up as a kid. And there used to be a lot of people that I like in that building, uh, only a few that I actually know anymore. Um, so that just didn't look good on their part. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, another win, another championship for Dixon. Uh, we, we tend to just say, oh, it's just Dixon doing Dixon type things. But do we really stop and realize how important he is how great he is how humble he is and 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 really him on the championship side of things and you could say this for will power too i mean will power is going to chase down mario andretti for the most career polls which is also an incredible stat and as much as i would say these guys ages are creeping up on them and they probably only have two years left i just don't think that's the case for guys like will power takuma sato who just won another indy 500 and Scott Dixon. Um, Felix Rosenquist heading to number seven. That was uh, confirmed earlier in the week. I was definitely surprised by that move. I think I thought maybe Elio was going to be in that. I know Sergio Perez was rumored. Um, but if uh, Felix, if that seems to be a good fit, I think that'll be a great young team with uh, Pato Award as his teammate. Maybe we see a third car at, at select races with Elio or a multitude of drivers in it. 
Uh, that then moved the news that came from Alex Pillow that he is going to the 10 car, which I think is a great move. I think Pillow has a lot of talent. Uh, we kind of saw that. We got to know him, introduced to him during the iRacing, and then uh, that bright pink car, which is cool. They brought in Guaranteed Rate, a new sponsor to the series, which is always good. Hopefully, Guaranteed Rate either stays with Dale Coyne or goes with Alex. I just like to see those new sponsors coming in stay, at least within the paddock, within the series. So we'll see what Palou can do with teammates Jimmy Johnson. We'll see what they do with that 48 car um, on the ovals. Uh, I think Elio Castroneves is certainly um, in the market for that gig, especially for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, probably never going to be admitted, but I think Chip Ganassi would love to have Elio in his car gunning for his fourth uh, Indianapolis 500 crown. Marcus Erickson is sticking around. Um, we know that Renus VK, the rookie of the year, is going to be in that 21 car next year. He has had a great year, put Texas behind him, really impressed. I think he is a super talent that is going to be around for um, years to come. Great for Ed to re-sign him. I would love to see Connor back in that 20 car. Um, I don't know because he kind of puts on, he likes to do both. I don't know how difficult it is. But he had, I mean, he won his first career pole at Iowa in that Carlin car. So I don't know how difficult it is to go back and forth between teams. It's still Chevy power. So I, I think the transition back and forth is, is relatively smooth. Uh, would certainly like to see him comfortable in a full-time ride just in one car for a year. But we'll see what Air Force does. We'll see what kind of movement we see at Andretti Autosport. Obviously, Alexander Rossi, I think, is going to stay. We're going to get into Rossi a little bit here coming up as well. Um, the virtual celebration that just wrapped up, I watched. First and foremost, James Hinchcliffe is great. Remember, like, a long time ago, a couple of years ago, IndyCar did a lot of cool stuff. They took drivers into an escape room. They did different trivia where they asked them historical facts about the 500 in the series and then about their own career. Um, they used to have up to speed. I think Lauren Bolander, maybe even Lindy Thaxton did that. Um, Katie Hargett would, or Katie Keel, excuse me, or Katie Kyle, third time's charm, I think would be good at that. I'd love to do it. I mean, I've offered a few times to offer up my services. All they have to do is give me a call. Um, maybe incorporate that fantasy league. Um, like I said, I applied for this fan engagement job. I've had so many ideas to just run with that I think that I've got connections uh, of things that you know keep the traditionalists happy, keep the younger crowd that is be going to be coming up that is you know middle school, elementary school type kids. Um, the in the twenties crowd with, with with gambling of the sport, which I think can take off. Um, so hopefully I get that opportunity to um, I guess spread my wings. So keep your fingers crossed there. Um, but I thought it was an overall really good year for the series. They did what they could. I think we've learned that double headers with NASCAR work. We've learned that double headers at different racetracks could work. Uh, I I don't like the Freedom One Hundred not being there next year. It's a chance for fans that, I, and I know there's, what, 75,000 fans on Carb Day and 50,000 of them are drunk or whatever you want to say, but that's still an opportunity to sell sponsorship to a race to say, hey, you know, we're going to be racing on NBC Sports on Carb Day. There's going to be a lot of people watching. There's going to be, you know, 25, 30, 50,000 people in the stands watching. It's a good opportunity for your sponsor um, you know, if you're a, a, a sponsor that wants to break into sports, maybe get in with a young driver that can contend at the Freedom 100. Um, 
I, I don't agree with that, and I have a feeling that Roger is going to maybe revisit that. I know they say that track time is valuable for IndyCar, but, I mean, there's plenty of time. So um, I do disagree with that. I would like to see the Freedom 100 stay on Carb Day. We'll see if they do go back and revisit that decision to move the lights race away from Carb Day. Um, back to the celebration we were talking about. James Hinchcliffe. Is my, I, I want to see him in a race car. I really do. But I would like to see him hosting stuff maybe once a week, interviewing drivers. Because we saw on NBC that he knows what to ask. And that driver, I mean, I've, I mean, Danica ripped me apart, if you guys remember, in qualifying two years ago during um, an interview. The drivers are going to be more open and comfortable talking to James because they know probably more than anybody in the sport, he knows the frustrations of what IndyCar can do to you, the highs and the lows. So um, it, 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 it really gives, I think, a level of comfortability for the driver to be interviewed by another driver who knows the feeling that they're feeling as soon as they take that helmet off after being involved in an accident that may have not been um, their doing. And, and I think I think Hinch is set up for life. I mean, you think about what's going to happen with his career. Hopefully he gets a ride at the Andretti, maybe goes to Dale Coyne. Um, some kind of full-time would be great. But when he is ready to step away and go into broadcasting full-time, I don't think he's limited to just doing IndyCar races. He can do IMSA, um, kind of like A.J. Allmendinger does. He can do Olympic coverage. You've got a Canadian who has been on the top of one of the fastest sports. You throw him into a speed skating situation, a bobsled winter sport, um, you know, and even summer Olympics. I think that James would thrive in that, knowing that you know he's a Canadian and he knows what it's like and can, again, relate to these athletes. I think James is going to be set up for a very, very long time. Um, and I don't, think it's, I don't think it's limited to just the IndyCar booth. I think we're going to see a monstrous growth uh, with James Hinchcliffe in his uh, career outside of racing in the broadcasting world. Um, Alexander Rossi is your most popular driver, which is cool. I love it. Um, I'm a big Alex fan, as you know. But I will say this. I met Alex, uh, I think, Easter weekend, right before, like two months before the Indy 500, a week or two before he started his career at St. Pete. He was very quiet, very shy, and... I didn't take it this way, but a lot of people took it as Formula One, European cockiness. And, you know, even after he won the 500 when he was speechless, was kind of in awe, didn't really honestly know what I thought. Um, I, I've interviewed him multiple times. We've done video work together. He's been gracious to me. Um, and I just, uh, I, I, I think this is great. You know, he's kind of came out of his shell, really. That Indy 500 win obviously launched a lot of popularity, but he's gone on to win other races um, that are big in the series. Watkins Glen, um, Long Beach, obviously. Um, so cool to see Rossi, um, who is a fan favorite, and um, you know, great looking cars with with Napa with Auto Nation. Um, so love to see that. If you missed my podcast last week, heading into St. Pete, I went back and looked at my top ten moments of the year. If you missed those, go back and take a listen as always. We'll see what happens with this test. Uh, we'll see if they can get some passing settled through uh, with the conditions because that's what it's all about is, is, is passing. We saw it um, in all those years 
what, 2013 or two, really 2012 with the new DW12 all the way till what, 2017, and then it kind of changed up, and we saw kind of a follow the leader. Once you get out front, uh, you can take the lead, and there wasn't a lot of lead changing. We've seen that over the last three years with Power, Pagano, and Sato with the Indy 500 victories. I think they'll get it right, and we'll see um, a lot better racing towards the front. I mean, the racing through the pack is great, but again, like I said, it's St. Louis and, and, and even Indy. Um, you know, nobody really... I don't want to say cares, but but you don't really care that Marcus Erickson passed James Hinchcliffe for 11th place unless you're a Marcus Erickson fan, unless you're an Alexander Rossi fan who's making his way up through um, the field, which I think is maybe a little bit different because those that was that was crazy to watch. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but basically, my point is there needs to be better racing up towards the front in that top three. We want to get back to the days where there's 10 laps to go and you have absolutely no clue who's going to win the thing, and um, it could come down to any one of, what, eight to nine to ten drivers. So I think that's what they're looking for, and hopefully we see more ovals on the schedule. It doesn't It's not going to be that way next year, but when, when you get the passing figured out, you got all the safety implications in place um, with, with, with the windscreen, um, with all the safety measures that they've taken over the last, let's say, ten years since, um, you know, the two deaths they had and the frightening injury to Robert Wickens. Um, you know, you, you make all these safety measurements. Well, maybe it's time to get back to some of these ovals as well. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing how that goes, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. Uh, I'm going to try to get Dixon on in the next week or two. Would love to interview Rossi. Um, maybe we'll get Mark Jane, some other IndyCar guys, to get us through um, the offseason, which continues to get spicier and spicier by the week with all the movement. Uh, I think it will settle down here over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, as always, um, all year tuning in. Uh, whether you tune in for fantasy picks, my opinion, um, previews, always appreciate it. Thank you, as always, to Flooring is Forever. It's been another great year of IndyCar action, and uh, we look forward to St. Pete in March of 2021.